There's a story told about the, the late pastor and author Norman Vincent Peale. He had just arrived to speak at an annual dinner for a banking association, and he found himself on an elevator talking to a banker who was going to attend the event. The banker was really upset and really dismayed that they would bring a pastor from New York City in to give the keynote address. I tell you, the man said, this isn't going to be any good. Without sharing or revealing who he was or the fact that he was, in fact, going to give the speech, Norman Vincent Peale replied with just, brother, I know it's not going to be any good. After dinner, Mr. Peale stood up and delivered his address as planned. And, and then afterwards, everybody was mingling around and socializing. And, and the banker with whom he had had the discussion with in the elevator came up to him, shook his hand, said, buddy, we were both right, weren't we? <laughs> and I share that to acknowledge my expectation for the quality and enjoyment of the speaker over the next 15 to 20 minutes is probably pretty much aligned with yours. Uh, today we're going to um, open up 1 Peter 5, if you can join me there. You know, some people will say this is a coincidence that, you know, we just heard from Aaron, heartfelt update from the elders, which is encouraging, refreshing, and just so happens that the day after they, were, they come back from an elder retreat, we get to open scripture and hear what Peter addresses to the elders. I will submit to you, it's not a coincidence. As a side note, I'll also submit to you that it's not a coincidence. They asked me to talk today on Super Bowl Sunday, one of the lowest attendance days in history. <laughs> As we get ready to read scripture, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We praise you for who you are. We just thank you for your word that you've given us. And I ask that you prepare our hearts and our minds and that you stir up your spirit within us to be able to discern what you want us to learn today, each of us. And just guide us through this talk. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting off, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those of your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, as I studied the scripture, this really broke out into four sections. But before we get there, you know, if you're like me, you have a tendency, if it doesn't apply to you, to skim through scripture. And I want to encourage us all, me included, to not do that. Even though this is targeted to elders, as you study this, I think you'll agree with me today that it's as important for those of us who are not elders to know what Peter is commanding, giving them the charge to do. Because it helps us 
to be able to at least pray for the elders, their wives, their families, and to support them. But it also gives us the ability to respond appropriately. So as I talk today, obviously it's to the elders, but it's really for all of us. So I'm going to balance that or try to. You know, the, the four sections that I think it breaks up into is um, the preface. Peter summarizes his credentials and, and gives us a, a sort of the perspective in which he's entering this discussion and giving his command. Then his instruction to the elders is the second one, his actual command. Then um, the third one is he tells them how, how to execute what he's asking them to do. And then he shares the reward that's out on the horizon that elders will receive when done well. So this is going to be a problem. The preface. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. You know, Peter comes in and he's exhorting the elders. He wants to call them in and have them listen to him. But he's coming in as a peer, as a fellow elder. He, he could take sort of a superior position here. If you think of who Peter was, he could say, an apostle of Jesus Christ brought in and, and a significant disciple because he sort of led the disciples throughout Scripture. But he doesn't. He knows he's one of all of us who's serving in the role of elder. I think that's pretty cool. He also shares the passion in which, and I think the importance of his message, is he's one who shared the sufferings of Christ. I can't imagine having been there and observe all that, but you know it's got to stick with them, and that would be the passion. You can almost feel the pain when he shares that. And then he, he encourages us by saying, you know, we're going to share this glory together, all of us again. And that leads us into really his charge, and a charge is just that. If you think of a sentry in a, at an outpost in the military, you're, you're giving them a command of oversight over something to watch this. It's your duty to execute this. And it's really short. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. You know, I, th I think it's pretty interesting that this whole letter, and we've studied it up to this time, of all, this thing, all these things that Peter's addressing to us, all the sufferings and all the things that we have to look forward to, but he calls out the elders here in one passage, and he only says one thing. I think, it, I think the fact that he only makes one statement to the elders even makes it more important. Again, think of who Peter is and what he could talk about. I'm going to run through these quickly, but he could talk about being a fisher of men. You know, Peter was a fisherman with his brother Andrew, he came to Christ and became a disciple, and he left to become a fisher of men. It'd be neat for the elders to know that experience, to hear that from him. He could talk about, in Matthew 16, how Jesus named him the rock. He was Simon before, and once he declared um, who Jesus was, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus changed his name from Simon to the rock. I think uh, we probably knocked some scholars off their seats if he would have talked about that a little bit because we still debate what that means. But it would be neat to hear that from him. He could talk about faith. In Matthew 14, he was the only disciple that had the faith to walk on water. He could also talk about feeling the effects of wind and, and losing that faith. He could talk about forgiveness. He was the disciple who asked, Jesus, how many times will a brother sin against me and I should forgive him? That'd be neat to hear. He could talk about reward. He was the one that represented the disciples when he asked Jesus, in my paraphrase, hey, we gave it all up and we followed you. What's in it for us? And he could, he could talk about disappointment and failure. He denied Christ. It'd be neat to hear what he learned through that, how he made it through that, and what he equipped him today. But I think of all the things, especially in the context of this passage, the, the, the context or the, the um, reference in the Bible that's important to me is, is John, in John 21. You don't have to turn there. But it's, it's the last time Peter spoke to Jesus. It was... After the crucifixion, during the, la- the third time that Jesus had shown himself to the disciples, they had just finished breakfast, and Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? First one was, Peter, do you love me more than these? Second was, Peter, do you love me? And the last one, Peter, do you love me? And each time, Peter answered the same way. Lord, you know I love you. Second time, Lord, you know I love you. Third time, the scripture says he was grieved because he was asked again. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. I think what's significant here is this is where Jesus gave him the charge. Each time, first one, then feed my lambs. Second one, tend my sheep. And the third one, feed my sheep. Another way of putting that, those three commands, is shepherd my flock. Peter heard this message before, straight from Christ. And as an elder in the community, that resonated with him. He wasn't going to forget that. And now he gets a chance to talk to the elders in his letter. And that's what he did. He told them to shepherd his flock. You think of a shepherd, you know, we think, first of all, we, we hear people talk about how dumb sheep are, right? So we're the sheep, and people do that. But I did some reading this week, and, and sheep are not as stupid as some people think. They, um, they're social beings, right? They, they need a flock. Sounds familiar. We need to be around people. Sheep can recognize people and other sheep's faces, I'd like to be the, see the scientist who studies this. But, um, and sheep can learn their own names. So when we talk about sheep, we're much like sheep in that we still need a shepherd, and they do too. Sheep are very stubborn. If you've ever seen a shepherd try to push a sheep, it doesn't work. Uh, not well. 
But um, a, a shepherd, there's really three main things that a shepherd does. Um, and, and in this in the scripture, the words here that in that verse, there's two: the shepherd and then oversight are the key words in that verse. The shepherd is poimeno in Greek, and it's a verb. It's to shepherd, and it implies more than just feeding the sheep. It's the whole role or the whole body of being a shepherd to guide, to guard, and to feed. So as we look in the local church eldership, I think it's important to go through those so that we in the body can know what their role is. You know, you think about guiding. What's that? It's leading, right? Shepherds, shepherds lead us. Elders lead us. You think from a sheep, it's leading them out of danger or around danger. It's leading them to a place where they can eat. Sometimes it's just leading them, keeping them on the path so they can walk straight and stay safe. That's what the elders are supposed to do for us. They're supposed to keep us on the path, supposed to lead us forward and give us a vision. And we, our response is to submit and follow. I think one of the things that... uh, Hits me, you know, when we talk about an Aaron updated the part of the land, but I think sometimes we ask the wrong question, right? What's the vision of the land? What are we doing with the land? When are we going to build a building? I think that's the wrong question. The right question is, what's God's vision for our body and how to reach the people that don't know him? And then, how does the land support that mission? Maybe God is prioritizing something else for our church to do, before he tells us what a building looks like or if we're supposed to have a building right now. Um, I I took a walk earlier and I was convicted because I'd love a building. I'd love a hockey rink that we can rent out and then have meetings in too. But, um, you know, it's, it's like the wandering tribe of Israel. When Moses would depart for a couple of days, they started questioning everything. And if they didn't have a firm vision of the next step forward, they would fall away and not trust God. And I don't want us to be like that. So it's neat to see that the elders are coming together. We know they do. I know they do. Um, And pray and listen for God's vision. Our vision might be to stay here for a while in this tent. It might be to go out into communities and meet people, serve people. But God will tell us. Second one is the guard, to protect I think um, I'll read a verse from Acts. Acts 20, 28. Paul's talking to elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw them away, draw away the disciples after them. I don't know if you got that, but if you think about the words there, he's telling the elders to protect the flock from people that rise up from within. And he's talking to elders, so he's saying from among you. So the elders need to be subject to each other 
and we need to protect the flock from a lot of things. Doctrine, um, safety issues, we need from people that we interact with, but most of all, how we engage with God and to make sure we're pure in doctrine and theology. Our response is to submit and listen to the leading and let them protect us. The last one is nourishment, feeding. You know, that's the thing that always comes to mind when you talk shepherd, especially when we throw the shepherd role to an elder or pastor, which is the same position. Um, shepherds are supposed to be responsible. They are responsible for the nourishment of the body to make sure that we are growing and we are feeding on Scripture and walking with God. There's many ways we can talk about that. Um, I think a verse from Titus, Titus 1.9, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also be re to rebuke those who contradict it. It's important for elders to have that ability to be mature in the word and to be able to rebuke those that contradict the word, but also to nourish us as we go that. And that's why we talk all the time about how we are growing and how we are equipping the body. Our response for those of us who aren't elders, to submit and take steps forward as they guide us. Obviously, you can grow with God outside of an elder being there, but they help keep us on track. The curveball, I think, is the fact that elders are not the owners of the sheep, or shepherds aren't the owners of sheep, and elders aren't over us in that manner. They're also sheep, right? The elders of our body are also walking under the great shepherd, Jesus, and following him. And I think that's why Peter gets to the third part of this passage on how to execute this, this, this charge. Here, here are the things that he talks about. And this is verse 2 and 3. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. If an elder is serving, they say under compulsion, if he feels that he's forced to serve as an elder, something's wrong. The, the motivation is wrong and he should step off. And if we see that, we should encourage them to do that. We should have, um, an elder should serve wi willingly. And, and I've heard, I've read some studies about that, but you think of an elder serving willingly, even if they weren't paid, staff elder, or a, you know, weren't in that position, a shepherd really shepherds. And you can see that sometimes in life groups. We have leaders that are shepherding. Um, but elders should be able to do that willingly, want to do that, and know that that is their gifting. Then I think as we look at sheep and a shepherd, the good one is not domineering over those in your charge. There's a difference between leadership 
and being and driving the body or driving the the herd. I just asked, have you ever seen a shepherd push sheep? I saw one on YouTube trying to do that with three sheep that he bought. Doesn't work. And we know in a body there's nothing um, that we like when somebody's trying to drive us forward, even if we say it's for the glory of God. We want to lead, and it says to lead by example. We see our elders today in this body by leading by example with humility, humbleness, and nobody's throwing anybody over the bus. We're encouraging and equipping people. That's what I love about our current elder team and our elder team for a while. Um, when people talk, they're transparent. Our elders are not speaking from a dominating position or from, from a superior position. They open themselves up and they say, here are my struggles and this is what God is telling me and you. I think we're exactly where we need to be with our elders right now. And it's, it's encouraging to see that. And finally, we come to the fourth section, the why or the reward. You know, we... And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And we know in Scripture it talks about different crowns that, we, that all faithful can receive. But Peter is drawing this out specifically for the elders that if they faithfully serve and execute this role as intended, as his charge is today, that they will see, receive a crown of glory. And we know, think about in where we are right now socially and in this society. Our leaders and we are going through a time where we're going to become more hated than loved in society with each day that passes. And we're going to have to fight through that internally and as we position ourselves with God. We're going to have to acknowledge that. And we, you know, you can talk about scripture about how these people who followed God had some really tough times, and we've been really thankful not to, but I think rough times are ahead. And the elders aren't going to see glory today, but they will in the future with a crown of glory. So it brings us to the call of action, right? You always need application in this. And while the elders, I know they study this all the time, and they go through a long process in the interview process and prayer, and their wives come in and throw them under a bus once in a while and then um, but they know the role of the elder pretty well but I would submit to you there's two things that we should do um, having heard this first of all I think we need to work hard to submit to the elders and again in society we're at a point even the Christian church is at a point where sheep are now in a position where he can jump over the fence and find a new pen find a new shepherd right we, when something is going outside of what we want, we go, ah, I don't like that. I'm going to leave. It's a challenge sometimes, but I think this is what Scripture's telling us to do. We're sheep and we have shepherds. God has given them to us. We need to submit to them. If there's something, yeah, challenge them, question them. Um, I, I've seen the elders be challenged and respond favorably. But if you ask them to do something and they say, that's not the way we're going because we believe God's going this way, 
I'd challenge you to stick with us and work with us because God's revealing new things every day. And it's the only way to receive God and see him at work and then marry up with him and join him in his work is to follow him, not what we think in our heart or our head. The second one sort of led with that is this tells us that, you know, understanding the, the leader role, the elder role, we, we need to be praying for our elders. It's, it's a heavy weight, and they all take it seriously. You know, when they go away for three days, first time, but even when they meet until early mornings every week or every other week, they're praying for us consistently, but they're actually seeking God's vision, and they're listening to what God has for us. That's why we haven't built a building. Think about 18 months ago. How many people... We're moaning and groaning about when are we going to start building the building? Now looking back, man, aren't we thankful that we didn't start something? Because it's going to look totally different now. I don't know what's ahead for us. And God might not allow us to see what's 18 months out. But as long as he tells us one month out or one day out, I think that's sufficient as long as we're walking with him. So pray for the elders. Pray for their families, their wives. They all struggle just like the rest of us, sometimes more than the rest of us. And, uh, and I think God's going to show us where we walk forward. He's going to bless us. And this is going to be a phenomenal time to see God at work in this community as we reach it for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise your name. You are the giver of life. You have made everything. And we thank you for putting this together today. This assembly of people. Your word that you allow us to open and study and learn. And we thank you for the elders that you've blessed us with. Father, I ask that you be with them and their families. That you comfort them. That you equip them for each day that they can stay pure in you and they'll lean on you through the day. And Father, we ask that you equip them to lead us, to guide us, to guard us, to feed us as we move forward. And Father, we ask that you use us in this community to reach you. We don't know what that looks like. We're asking. But we do know what it looks like at a very low level, Father, and we're doing that. We want to be your disciples We want to make disciples. Father, take us now. Help us to, as we leave this tent, help us to be a living testimony that shines glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.